0: I wanted to share it with Serepta. And it's amazing, God knew that. And he didn't I didn't even pray about it. And here I am. Okay, I'm gonna set the scene. It was the time of the Christian persecution, especially in Rome. In that place, the Colosseum, the Christians were really, really badly persecuted. And the Roman conquerors, they, they conquered Europe and they conquered England and everywhere you go. There are mosaics and you know, and um, auditoriums and coliseums and goodness knows what. And they had a god for everything. Amanda mentioned this. They had Jupiter, the king of the gods, the god of thunder and lightning. They had Vesta, his sister, can you imagine, who was the god of hearth and home. And then they had Apollo, the god of music and archery. And so it went on. And they always had to have sacrifices to appease these gods. And into this melee of debauchery, violence, and goodness knows what, came Christianity. Now think about it. The Romans had all these gods. They could worship. They had to sacrifice to them. And here came Jesus. The Christians worshipped a person who walked on the earth. Okay? He walked as a man, and he claimed to be God, and he was just one true God. Then he was swapped for a criminal. And then he was crucified on a cross, which is what criminal where criminals were, were crucified. And then these Christians aim say that you've got to eat his body and his blood. And then they claim this God was the Lord and the only God, the only true God. Now, Nero were, worshipped, um, ruled Rome, and he was mean and nasty, and he hated the Christians. And he would cover them in, in um, animal skins and let the dogs eat them at his garden parties. And he um, he hated the Christians with an absolute passion. And into this world of persecution and pain came Potini. She and her family were summoned from Carthage, where she was evangelizing, so she knew the Lord. And her eldest son was in the Roman army. And he was told that if he... Um, if he betrays Christians, he can get all their wealth. And he didn't, and he went to prison and he was killed. And Patini Nero said, you've got to go to my, my daughter and you've got to, to talk to her. And he was convinced she would be, Petini would be converted to paganism because of the riches of his daughter. But the opposite happened because she knew her God and she was an evangelist at heart, and they became Christians. And so she was imprisoned, and Nero gave her one more chance, said, you deny your God, and I will set you free. So then she said no, and she was thrown in a well. And Potini, who died and went to the Lord in a Roman well, he met her in a Sumerian well. And I've asked David to come and read The Woman at the Well.
1: Thanks. We're reading uh, John chapter 4 from verse 3. This is Jesus. So he left Judea and went back once more to Galilee. Now he had to go through Samaria. So he came to a town in Samaria called Sychar, near the plot of ground Jacob had given to his son Joseph. How can you ask me for a drink? For the Jews do not associate with Samaritans. Jesus answered her, If you knew the gift of God and who it is that asks you for a drink, you would have asked him, and he would have given you living water. Sir, the woman said, You have nothing to draw with, and the well is deep. Where can you get this living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob who gave us the well and drank from it himself as did also his sons and his livestock? Jesus answered, Everyone who drinks this water will be thirsty again but whoever drinks the water I give them will never thirst. Indeed the water I give them Will become in them a spring of water welling up to eternal life. The woman said to him, Sir, give me this water so I won't get thirsty and have to keep coming here to draw water. He told her, Go, call your husband, and come back. I have no husband, she replied. Jesus said to her, You are right when you say you have no husband. The fact is you've had five husbands and the man you now have is not your husband. What you've said is quite true. Sir, the woman said, I can see you are a prophet. Our ancestors worshipped on this mountain, but you Jews claim that the place where we must worship is in Jerusalem. Woman, Jesus replied, believe me, a time is coming when you will worship the Father neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem. You Samaritans worship what you do not know. We worship what we do know, for salvation is from the Jews. Yet a time is coming and has now come when the true worshippers will worship the Father in the Spirit and in truth. For they are the kind of worshippers the Father seeks. God is spirit, and his worshippers must worship in the spirit and in truth. The woman said, I know that the Messiah, called Christ, is coming. When he comes, he will explain everything to us. Jesus declared, I, the one speaking to you, I am he. Just then the disciples returned and were surprised to find him talking with a woman. But no one asked, what do you want and why are you talking to her? Then, leaving her water jar, the woman went back to the town and said to the people, Come, see a man who told me everything I ever did. Could this be the Messiah? They came out of the town and made their way towards him. Meanwhile, the disciples urged him, Rabbi, eat something. Even now the one who reaps draws a wage and the harvesters a crop for eternal life so that the sower and the reaper may be glad together. Thus the saying, one sows and another reaps, is true. I sent you to reap what you have not worked for. Others have done the hard work and you have reaped the benefits of their labor. Many Samaritans from that town believed in him. Because of the woman's testimony, he told me everything I did. So when the Samaritans came to him, they urged him to stay with them, and he stayed two days. Because of his words, many more became believers. They said to the woman, we no longer believe just because of what you have said, for we have heard for ourselves, and we know that this man really is the Savior of the world.
0: Thank you, David. He reads so beautifully, doesn't he? This, this is an encounter of love and kindness. It's not an encounter of judgment. It's an encounter, although Jesus touches on her sin, it's an encounter of love. And Jesus came first to the Jews and then to the Gentiles. And just to, to set the scene of John, He'd been baptized in the Jordan, public. It was totally public. Everybody knew that the Holy Spirit had come and the Father had said, This is my beloved Son in whom I'm well pleased. Then he went and he went to a quiet place. He went to Canaan in Galilee to a wedding. A wedding is a private thing and he turned the water into wine. Then he's back in Jerusalem. I mean, Jesus traveled. It's incredible when you. Read the scriptures you see. And he walked up and down, this way and that way, throughout Israel. Then in Jerusalem, constant, constant badgering. Badgering by the Pharisees, badgering by people who want to be healed. Drama, noise, it's a city. And there he goes into the temple. And he says, enough of this, enough. And he takes a whip and he gets rid of the money changers and all those corrupt guys who are selling dodgy lambs and all the rest of it. And he knew this was not the Passover to um, tackle the Pharisees. It wasn't the right one. So now he decides, I'm going off to Galilee. I'm going to the country. I'm going to where it's quiet. But he has to go through Samaria. I actually believe God said to him, I've got an appointment to you. And he does what his father said. So I said to myself, who are these Samarians? So there were a religious sect of ethnic Jews and they, they worshipped on Mount Gerizim, and the Jews worshipped in Jerusalem. And they say they came from Ephraim and Manasseh, which were Joseph's two sons. And they read Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy. That was all. And then the Jews read from Genesis to the end of Malachi, and Christians read from Genesis to the end of Revelation. And the situation was so bad that by the time of Christ, the Samaritans were hated. Now the Gentiles were considered as dogs by the Jews and the Samaritans were less. They were like those mangy mongrels with scabies and goodness knows what. And here we have the woman at the well. And remember John 3.16, God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that all who believe in him would not perish but have everlasting life. And here comes Jesus to the well, where Jacob met his wife Rachel, and it was hot, it was dry, it was the, um, it was lunchtime, it was noon, and here the Son of God, he was hot, he was thirsty, he was dusty, and he sat down by the well because he wanted a drink. And I love his disciples; I just love them. They said, "No, no, no, we're hungry. We're going to buy food." You know, they—they're really of the earth, earthy. And another time they wanted to call fire down from heaven and destroy these Samaritans. You know, they're going to do the job themselves. Get rid of them. And Jesus went, no. And men did not draw water from um, a well in that culture. And along comes a Samaritan woman. I believe God knew. He, He orchestrated all this. And she was coming to draw water. And she wasn't wealthy. She would have been a servant. And now Jesus, a Jew, not only a Jew, the son of God, he must have had something amazing about him, says to her, give me a drink. Shock and horror. How, how can he speak to me? And the Jews don't even have anything to do with the Samaritans. And she would have known about Jesus. You know, it's, it's a small country, there's gossip. She would have known about this man. This man who called himself the light of the world when it was the feast, when all the torches were lit, when they could be seen all over the country. This was a spectacle. They didn't have electricity or anything like that. Jesus says, I'm the light of the world, not this. I am the light of the world. She would have known as at the Feast of Tabernacles, when they'd had a long, hot, dry summer, they, and they poured out the, the water. That was an act of faith, saying, God, we trust you. We trust you to give us rains. We trust you to give us winter rains. And then he starts talking about the gift of God and living water. So she knew these stories, and she was confused. And he talks about living water. But Jesus was talking about the Holy Spirit. And Ezekiel thirty-six twenty-five to 27 says, I'll sprinkle clean water on you, and you will be clean. I will cleanse you from all your idols, and I'll give you a new heart and put a new spirit in you. I will remove from you the heart of stone. And give you a heart of flesh. I will put my spirit in you and move you to follow my decrees and be careful to, to keep my laws. So, water is a symbol of the Holy Spirit coming to a person's life with cleansing and salvation. She didn't have a clue. She didn't have a clue what God was talking about. And then she goes on and talks about um, Jesus talks about drawing water and not thirsting again. And she just doesn't know what this is. And he talks about an everlasting life. And then she sort of gets it. She doesn't want to keep coming to the well. She's alone. She's lonely. She doesn't come with all the other women. And she says, Jesus, give me this water so I don't have to thirst again. But what she was really saying was, so I don't have to come to this well in the middle of the day when I'm all alone. And Jesus simply says at that point, "Go." And ma- find your husband Go and bring your husband And I thought about this And in that culture Maybe she was a child bride Maybe her husband didn't like her Maybe he just divorced her Maybe he was cruel And then she sort of said I've, I'm done with husbands I'm just going to live with a man And which is what she did Perhaps she was widowed Perhaps she was. She had the pain of, and the grief Of marry, burying her husband And God knows. He, he talked about her husband. And he knows everything about us. And he wants to set us free from our hidden scene, sins. She couldn't hide anything. Because he says, you've said, well, you said, you've had five husbands, but you haven't got one. In that, you spoke truly. We, we're now too close to home. We're now hitting on her sin. We're now hitting on what's hidden from the Son of God. And maybe that's how we are. God comes and he says, what about this or what about that? And we go, no, 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 I'll sort that out later. Right now I'm going shopping or whatever we do. And then to dodge the, the question, to dodge what he's talking to us about, she says, now where, where, do, where should we worship? Should we worship here or should we worship on, in Jerusalem? I mean, totally irrelevant. It changed the conversation. Jesus says, I love Jesus. He's so pragmatic. It doesn't matter where you worship, but you must worship who you know. The Jews know who they worship because salvation is from the Jews. And the important thing Jesus said, the hour is coming and true worshipers will worship in spirit and in truth. And the Father is seeking such that worship him. And I thought about this. I've often thought about it. And this is my understanding. Worship needs to come from our hearts, from a relationship of knowing who God is. It's our whole being. We can wake up in the morning and worship God and just declare him as the creator. We can thank him. We can praise him. We can worship him. It's not legalism. We don't have to worship. It comes from our hearts. It's not just singing songs and repeating songs. And it's declaring who God is. It's declaring scripture. And it's part of loving God with your whole being. The Pharisees were more concerned with appearance and what they were doing than relationship with God. And that's why Nicodemus is so unusual. And true worshipers are born again. They're filled with the Holy Spirit. They love Jesus. And we can have corporate worship. You can have your own worship. It doesn't matter. And then... Jesus drops a bombshell at that time. He says, Who you're speaking to, I am He. Can you imagine the shock and the silence? Here she is, a Samaritan woman, outcast, hurting, and the Son of God comes. And into this revelation burst the disciples, and for once they are quiet. I find that quite a miracle because they always got something to say. And she they've been to the city. And she goes to the city, and she comes back. She says to the men in the city, which took a lot of courage, "Come, come and see a man who told me the things I ever did. Could this be the Christ?" And they followed her back to to the the well where the disciples were. Now here are Jesus's disciples. They go to the city. They're only interested in food, and they don't even talk to anybody. <coughs> Excuse me about the about Jesus. She. Has met him. She's discovered this is the son of God. And she's now gone. And she's going to speak about it. Because she knows. That this is God's son. (coughs) Excuse me. And many Samaritans believed in Jesus. Because of the woman who testified. He told me all that I ever did. And her role in meeting Jesus. Must have changed. It must have elevated her. ...in society. And a consequence. Many of the Samaritans... ...believed in him... ...because of the word of the woman who testified. He told me everything I ever did. Because God loves us. You cannot hide anything from him. He loves us. And if he pinpoints anything in your life... ...I want to encourage you to deal with it. He wants to set us free. He wants to deliver us. He wants to heal us. He wants to heal our relationships... So Jesus came to the outcast. He came to you and me. And he stayed in the Samaritan town of outcasts of outcasts for two days. And he was away from the Pharisees because they wouldn't come anywhere near him. They, there he preached. They preached the love of God. And then he left and he went to Galilee. And you know what? We can also sit by the well. We can sit by the well and read the Bible. And if it isn't there, it's here on your phones. Forget about TikTok. Read the scriptures there. And allow him to pinpoint what he wants us to do. And his words are powerful enough to bring people to salvation. And read your Bible. Get to know scriptures that God will bring them. And you can weave them into into your conversation. You don't have to say, the Bible says... And I want to tell you about a story. I was going on a plane to Cape Town, and there was a Muslim man sitting next to me in a gown. And I said to the Lord, Ish Lord, this is too good an opportunity to miss. So I don't know what I started to talk about, but we had this long conversation. And I said to him, just a minute, I've got a Bible, because they're they're people of the book, and they really respect the book. And it was an enormous Dorling Kinsley family Bible, big thing, you know, thick just the book. And I got it out of my hand luggage, and we looked at it. And at the end, he said, that was the best conversation I've ever had. Can you imagine a Muslim man talking to an infidel woman, probably without a shirt without sleeves on, wearing tra- trousers? I mean, it's just not on. It's, it's probably worse than the Samaritan woman. And then he says to me, I've got to pray for you. I said, no, Lord, please, no, no, no. I don't want that. <laughs> you know? But it was just an opportunity that I saw, and I'm sure the Lord led me to see it. So I want to encourage you. They who know their Lord will do great and mighty things. That wasn't a great and mighty thing, but who knows? He, he even, I was very brave. He told me he had three wives. Because I said, why are you go to Cape Town? He says, one here, one in Cape Town, and one in Botswana. And I homed in on the Botswana one. And he told me she was young. And I said to him, no. I said, that's not fair. And he said, No, you're right. I mean, imagine. So, who knows what happens? Only God knows <laughs> what happened there. So, as I close, I want to read someone as a prayer over you. This is very slippy, um, which I have marked and I hope I can find easily. Okay, Father, your word tells us that blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly nor stands in the path of sinners, nor sits in the seat of the scornful. And I want to pray, Lord, over Sarepta and over our families and those people we know that we will not walk in the counsel of the ungodly or stand in the path of sinners or sit in the seat of the scornful. But our delight will be on your law. Our delight will be in your word. And on your law, in your word, we will meditate day and night. And we will be... Like trees, like a forest planted by the rivers of water, your living water, that brings forth in its fruit, in its season. Our leaves will not wither, and whatever we do will prosper. And Lord, your word declares, and we join that, the ungodly are not so. They are like the chaff which the wind blows away. They will not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous. For the Lord knows the way of the righteous. And the way of the ungodly will perish. And so, Lord, we declare that is true. And the righteous will flourish like a palm tree and grow like a cedar in Lebanon. Those who are planted in the house of the Lord, they will flourish in the courts of our God. So, Lord, I pray that we as a church, as a people, our families and friends and those we meet will flourish. And we will bear fruit in old age. We will be fresh and flourishing to declare that the Lord is upright. You, Lord, are our rock, and there is no unrighteousness in you. So, Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for the amazing courage that the woman at the well, Patini, showed in times of persecution. And I pray, Lord, that you would just open our eyes to see those that you want us to see, as the fields are white unto harvest. Some of us will reap, some of us will sow. But may you give us the words, and may we be sensitive to your word, to you talking to us as we go through our lives. Thank you, Father. Amen. Thank
2: you. Yes, you can. <laughs> Bless you, Maggie. Thank you so much. It's wonderful. I just love that story. It always makes me realize when you've met with Jesus, you cannot stop telling about him. You go and shout <laughs> everywhere because he's an amazing person. But bless you. Um, we're just going to have 10 minutes, grab the tea and the coffee, and then um, we we'll come back for the AGM. Um, but if you're visiting us for the first time, there's a cart at the back there, the Connet group, they can help you to fill it up. But just a 10 minute of tea and coffee, and then yeah, we can come. Those couches, you can sit on them, guys. They're, they're not there as a decoration. <laughs> you can sit right there, if grab the cup of tea. I call that a coffee cafe lounge on that. But bless you. Thank you so much.